electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now with an earnings palooza. We have full coverage of all the big names reporting after hours. What do you call that? A sex to box? Covering these conference calls. Julia Borston on Facebook, Seema Modi on ATT, Deidre Bosa on PayPal, John Fort and Josh Lipton handling the chips, and Bertha Coombs handling all the other type of chips with Chipotle. We're going to check in with everyone throughout this hour, so don't move. And plus, fast money friend and earnings stud, Gene Munster. Look at him. He's monitoring the Facebook call from the red phone in Minneapolis. That call kicking off right now. And that's where we start with Facebook. The stock is soaring after hours following what's been a rough quarter for the social media giant, juggling a major scandal surrounding its privacy and data policies. But so far, numbers are looking good. Stock is jumping more than 4% after hours, and the company also announcing a big buyback. Is the worst over for Facebook? Guy, Cambridge Analytica, meh. Who cares? Well, if there's not another Cambridge Analytica, if there's not another one, then the worst is probably over. I thought the quarter would be great. Quarter was great, by the way. The numbers that stuck out to me is operating margins close to 46%. I think the street was looking at 40%. So just about every metric you look for the quarter was outstanding. I thought there would be some sort of uh, tepid guide. They'd be cautious in their tone. Clearly, they weren't. I mean, it manifests itself in the stock buyback that they initiated as well. So well, the stock is now right back to well, the levels that we saw a week and a half ago of 167 or so. Is Facebook in the same range that it's been in or is it about to break out? I still think it's in a range. Well, they haven't guided operating expenses yet. That's going to happen on the call. So you're going to get actually potential for a big reversal of a move or an extension like with of Google, the existing Google, for example. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I think that no one expected this Q1 to be materially impacted. I think Mark Zuckerberg told us that um, back in March. So really, that does have to do with the guidance. You know, they did add 5,000 workers in Q1. They're going to add another 5,000 over the course of the year. And listen, the worst over as far as what we saw of looming regulation, no, it's just the first inning of this sort of thing. Yeah. So to me, I'm just saying that, like, you know, here, you have a stock that, as of the close today, was down about 35 bucks, down about 18% from its all-time highs the day that it reported its Q4 earning, earnings, and people thought it was going to 200 and higher. So to me, I just think you got to curb your enthusiasm a little bit. But riddle me this. Even before Cambridge Analytica, they warned, remember, they were going to change the algorithm in the feed, user engagement was probably going to go down, everybody was quite nervous about that, and guess what? The revenue per user actually beat expectations yeah, and went up. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, there, look, there was, there was. I'll say this: I think Zuckerberg did an amazing job. I think he throttled it, and he basically he stood up for his, his investors, his core investors. I think after the interview, after he testified, I said it. I think on this show, he's a he's an arrogant guy. Let's call a spade a spade. The reality is, he wanted to make sure that this was a slam dunk quarter. I think the buyback, everything is a testament to that. I look at the spend. Spend we're going to wait on. Spend's important, but that's how they throttle the street. So they can look at spend, and you're going to hear whatever commentary they have. They'll dial it back in one area if the spend increases to help sort of, you know, if they have to spend more to, to, to offset this sort of privacy issue. So my look is the spend is going to be fine. I think the stock actually moves higher from the current level where it's trading after hours. 
and tomorrow it should be a, a you know a sort of all clear zone, if you will, for the near term at least. The so spend is likely going to be percent in the last three months. Yes, right? absolutely gotten hammered. But the spend is going to be the key, and that's something that we've already known about. I mean, they've already started getting into more and more money going into the security side, the private side. So that's where they've been focused. But let's not forget, it's not just about Facebook. There's Messenger. There's WhatsApp. Instagram, I mean, they really are social media at, 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 at its finest. They've got the whole thing, and they compete basically with Google. And as long as they can keep some of these numbers even close to where they've been, right. that ads, those ads are going to stay. Now, the one thing that I think that has been a little bit more consistent has been people are spending a little less time on Facebook over the last couple of quarters than they once were. I don't think that's the biggest issue in the world, but it's something that, uh, if you're going to look for a negative, that's one of the negatives. Here's the thing. Right Facebook's got a discounted mul multiple relative to Google. No doubt Is that it. deserved? I uh, mean, you talk about potential regulation. I mean, if it's going to happen to Facebook, i got to think it's going to happen to Google. Think of the moat that Facebook has. But just because of everybody's concerns about privacy, that's something we talked about day one was right. this actually in some ways will help Facebook because the money they're going to be putting in there keeps others out that much longer because they're going to have to spend if they want the same price. Well, I'll just say this. The ARPU, the revenue per user in the United States, is obviously the highest as it is all over the world, except it's not growing. They added one million users here in the United States. So to me, I think really the growth story internationally is the really most important going forward, and we know that they're never really going to be in China. Um, so, you know, like at the end of the day, I think, you know, you have to think about this. It's like if you think that Zuckerberg went in front of Congress and then they print this quarter and then they talk about hiring more people and they're going to be more focused on, you know, our privacy and all this, and you think it's done? You're crazy. I mean, you're no, just but, crazy. But, but, and you go back and you think about in the late 90s when Microsoft started having the government breathing down their necks a little bit. Here's a stock that once it kind of topped out in early 2000, underperformed the broad market for a decade. But I'm just saying, so, it, you know. I think what's important, just back to MCC's point about, about sort of the, the expectations as far as growth expectations, this is a company that's going to grow earnings this year. I think it's 40-plus percent next year. And it might be more closer to 50 percent. Next year, they're going to grow earnings, I think, 25 percent, decelerating a little bit. But... My point is 25% in earnings growth next year. Where are you going to find a stock okay, like that? Okay, but David, Google sold off yesterday 5.5% because yeah, their operating margins, point. which were expected at 27%, came in at 22% because of all the spending. This is before that we've right, even seen... Right, but Google's spend was $7.6 billion in the street in the first quarter, and the street modeled something like $15 billion. So you're talking about a massive, massive shock to investors. I think it took them off guard for a day or two, but I don't think that story's changed at all. I would think Google's cheap. Would you rather Facebook oh, you or play, Google? Oh, you know the same. Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather? Personally, I'd rather Alphabet. I think valuation is more compelling. I think they have probably equal moats. I think the regulation which... I think regulation is more prone to hurt Facebook than Google, in my opinion. I'm probably with you, but I would say that the verticals that they've got are probably the interesting part. And I think that one thing, when you compare this to Microsoft, I'm going back to Facebook for a second, you, you, you compare it to Microsoft in the 90s, yeah. they just sat there, though, Dan. I mean, they didn't go forward and move on to the next. The one thing with Facebook is Zuckerberg either buys it or builds it to compete. And, I mean, take a look so at what they So let's just done. say with the government scrutiny right now, they're not going to be able to buy anything. Okay, right. Except their own stock. But they what they bought is what they need to up. focus on from a monetization standpoint, right? I mean, now is the time you got to show us what you really have. you got 800 million people on Instagram. 1.3 billion people over on some of the other two products as well. Outside of the Facebook, 2.1 billion. But are you, are you, are you arguing that 
this could be dead money for 10, 10 no, years no, no, like no, Microsoft? No, 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 what, what I'm saying is I think for 2018, the, the range is in this stock between 150 and 195 to the upside. I think you may get trading opportunities, and I think if you're going to buy it, and for all the reasons that you guys are saying, I think you have to look out past what's going to be an initial round of regulation. This industry has proven, like almost every other industry, that they cannot self-regulate. It's coming. Zuckerberg told the Senate and he told the Congress that, that, that they're open to regulation. So to me, I'd actually rather, if we're going to play would you rather, would you rather, <laughs> I'd rather buy like a Twitter and a Snapchat that I don't think are going to have the same issues as it relates to um, uh, regulation. And I think Twitter showed you by the revenue growth that they had and their ability to monetize. Right. They're focused on monetizing their 336 million monthly active users. Yeah, but this is my game right here. So, I just, say, so I, I, I just think that those are more interesting. I think those are more interesting game. Totally uh, Twitter. Twitter's revenue growth came from basically international. Their U.S. growth was basically yeah. it was the revenue so, was flat. So I look at the, the 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 quality of the revenue growth that Twitter posted. It was all like Japan. I mean, that's garbage, garbage quality revenue growth. They haven't gone past. You don't like the Japanese? What's wrong with no, the Japanese? No, I just think that the TAM's not. I mean, the 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 market's just not that that rich. I mean, that big, if if you will. So look, I, I look at Twitter and I say, like, this problem has plagued them for a while. They're not growing their MAUs the way they should be. Their user base isn't necessarily strong and they probably have the biggest tailwind to their story they've ever had with the president basically being in office using it as a podium let's do a let's get some technical analysis now on Facebook let's go to the charts with Chris Verone of strategic research partners what are you seeing there Chris hey Michelle listen certainly a strong response uh, with this number when we look at the stock set to open about that 167, 168 level. But when we step back uh, and we put this name in context, I think the big question that we need to ask ourselves here, is this a rally we should embrace? And frankly, we're a little bit skeptical. That 170, 173 area is where the 200-day is now resistance. And let's remember, the weakness in Facebook is not something that's two or three weeks old. This is a stock that relative the S&P has been deteriorating for the better part of the last six months. So we don't think this reemerges as a leadership name here. And when we look forward, it's not just Facebook. We have Amazon uh, this week as well. This stock has corrected continually right back to its trend line uh, over the last three years. We think ultimately this correction is no different. We think there's $200 of risk here. 1460 last price. We think 1250, 1260 is ultimately back at the trend line uh, where this shakes out. The harder question is, what does this mean for the broader market right here? And I think what's actually a little bit encouraging, away from these big names, if you actually look under the surface, selling pressure has actually gotten less bad. This is volume. This is the S&P. We've tested this 200-day average three times uh, over the last couple of months. And on each time, volume has gotten less. So less selling pressure uh, on these declines. And I think maybe most importantly, what we've seen the equally weighted S&P has broken out relative to the cap-weighted S&P. So the average stock is actually faring better here. Uh, we think that's a decent backdrop away from some of these big names. Hmm. Should we invite Chris over to the desk after all that, guys? Come yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Bring him Come in. on over. So bottom line, what I took away from that, avoid tech, go to other areas of the market. Yeah, I think we want to use this as an opportunity to suggest that the average issue here that's been neglected for the last two years in this tech move is actually the winner here. And I think that equally weighted S&P chart is really important for investors. When you have the equally weighted uh, S&P outperforming, the market's typically in pretty good hands. So I think this is sell some of the bigger names, overweight the average stock. 
I found the Amazon chart really compelling yeah. and, and worrisome about another $200 decline if we're going to retest that, that key level. So peak to trough, that would be about a 22% decline for Amazon. If you look back since Amazon went public in 97, the average correction for Amazon every year is down 30. That's the average. Every single year, down 30. We haven't seen that trend line in about a year and a half. I think it's reasonable to suggest as we move through the summer, which can be a tough seasonal for that stock, you will revisit that trend line. I think that adds to the case that you want to be lighter with some of these big names and get bigger with some of the smaller names. Of course, if Amazon goes to 1250 or whatever that 1250 is that level, I mean, the whole market's going to implode. I mean, that's going to take the entire market down. I mean, am I, am I wrong in, in phrasing it that way? I mean, if they're negative spin on Amazon, looking at go to 1250, seeing that kind of retracement, this entire market's in trouble. You know, I, I'm not convinced about that. And let's look at yesterday's price action as an example. Uh, S&P down 40 handles. But declining stocks only outnumbered advancing stocks one and a half to one. So actually, the internals weren't that bad, despite weakness among some of these bigger names. I think that lends itself to an environment where actually selling pressure for the average stock is getting uh, less bad and less bad and less bad with each retest of this 2600 area on the S&P. Final word to Guy. Well, it's interesting. I would say this. You, you have, to be long Facebook here, in my opinion, you have to believe that there's not, a, not another Cambridge Analytica out there, that everything is behind them, that all the boogeymen have been put to bed. By the way, $9 billion on half a trillion dollar market cap company is really not that big a deal. I mean, it's but a big number. In terms of the buyback. In, in terms of the stock buyback. Yeah. So there are a lot of things to like in this quarter. The quarter was exceptional. I think we all thought the quarter would be great. I wonder out loud, is there still another? There's never one cockroach, I guess, is my point. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to have you, Chris. Thank Coming you. up, the earnings palooza. It's going to go on and on. Check out the other big earnings movers after hours. AT&T, PayPal, Qualcomm, Chipotle, they're all on the move. Look at Chipotle, hired by more than 10%. Our all-star earnings crew, there they are, too, listening to all the biggest conference calls right now, getting ready to give you the latest headlines and instant analysis. We're going to check with them in just a few minutes. And then later, don't look now. Bitcoin is tanking, and this time Ethereum is to blame. Brian Kelly is going to be here to explain what is shifting in the crypto universe. We're live from Times Square in New York City, and we've got much more Fast Money coming up right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have an earnings alert on AT&T. That stock is down around 4% after hours. Seema Modi standing by with more. Seema. Hey, Michelle. This earnings report is seen by many as exactly why AT&T, the telecom provider, needs a deal like Time Warner to work out earnings and revenue disappointed due to weakness in wireless and TV sales. Now, we haven't heard from CEO Randall Stevenson speak yet on the earnings call, but here's what AT&T's CFO, John Stevens, said on the call regarding the company's proposed $85 billion takeover of Time Warner. Both sides are wrapping up their cases and are now preparing for closing arguments on April 30th. After that, we'll wait for the court's ruling. Based on the court's determination, we stand ready to close. Funding is in place even after we settle the special mandatory redemption bonds. Other important stats, uh, AT&T adding 158,000 postpaid subscribers on a net basis in the three months ending on March 31st of which 49,000 were domestic. In terms of price action, worth, noti worth noting that AT&T shares have vastly underperformed the S&P telecom sector this year, down uh, over 13% and lower by 4% here in after-hours trade as investors react 
to this disappointing earnings report. Michelle? Got it, Seema. Thanks so much. Deal or no deal, Dan? What do you think? Uh, listen, uh, it is a coin flip. And I mean, it should be approved. Um, and I hope it does because I think it's actually going to be something that helps kind of level the playing field. And I think this is the way a lot of these telecom and media deals are going to happen from here on out. Um, you know, it is a vertical deal. I think there was one headline that was really important uh, that I think Randall Stevens said, or maybe the CFO said, it said higher uh, iPhone or uh, uh, phone upgrade rates. Our history and right. it kind of reminds me of like the cat tractor CFO's commentary right. yesterday but we already know that and that doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot for AT&T it may mean a lot for the likes of Apple and we're gonna see right. that next I'm week. a journalist so I'm cynic yeah. <laughs> would you want to have a blowout earnings quarter when you're in the middle of a trial where you want to convince the world that was a that Facebook <laughs> right I mean, I mean wouldn't you want to say oh gosh you heard Seema's opening line this earnings report shows exactly why they need to do this deal. I mean. But look at this. I mean, this stock's been totally, I mean, the ARB community has been blown up. NXPI, you've had, you know, this particular telephone, you know, telephone Time Warner deal. I mean, they've been absolutely annihilated. I mean, so the risk has been off. These things have unwound. I think telephone's a layup. I think it's a buy here. I think it's 5.8% dividend yield. I mean, I understand the whole price, you know, issue and the sort of struggles that they have as a company, but I think the deal gets done. I don't think there's a question this deal gets done. And I think the, the trade really is to be long telephone. Is it a buy if it if they don't get the deal though? Is I, it still a I buy? I think it's been de-risked to the point where it doesn't it doesn't go down. So I guess the point is the risk in my opinion is out of the story if the deal doesn't go through. And you get a 5.8% dividend yield right here. And it's only upside if the deal gets done. Obviously they need this company, and if it gets done, the stock's gonna rip. It was a pretty big revenue miss. They explained some of it away. So it's sort of a changes in accounting. That's fine. EPS, I guess, in line. The question comes down to this. It better hold $33 because that was the low back in November. Right. I think that's a critical level. We're close to that now. And what's the right multiple for a company that doesn't really have any EPS growth in this space? I get the whole dividend thing. I think people would agree with this. Dividend to me is the carrot on top or the cherry on top. You don't, it's the last it's category the last you look, look at, at is what the dividend yield is. It's a, it's a company whose valuation might have to be, might have to start to look at a little more critically. Uh, to answer your question, trading 10 times next year, yeah. 10 times a year after that, too. I mean, you tell me. It's, it's not all no that growth. exciting on earnings growth. So right. I don't know. I think $33 is your line in yeah. the sand. Yeah. Got it. All right. Coming up, Facebook shares are now up nearly 7%. And at after hours highs following the earnings report. Conference call is underway right now. We're going to hear what Mark Zuckerberg is telling Wall Street about the quarter right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have a Bitcoin alert. Take a look at the cryptocurrencies are getting crushed as a bug has been found in Ethereum smart contracts that could make them vulnerable to hackers. Our very own crypto baller. Really? That's what they call you in the show? <laughs> BK is over at the plasma. Breaking down what happened. What does this mean for your coins, BK? Well, listen, it actually, there's a lot going on here, but it, it has a limited impact. So we'll go through exactly what's going on. But look at what happened today. We have Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin on both of the exchanges, Bitcoin Cash, all of them falling, significant amounts. We had a nice real rally off the lows. We're up almost 50, 60% in some of these things off the lows. And now we're having a pullback. So let's look at what happened with this bug today. That's the next one I have. To me, this bug's overblown. It only impacted about maybe a dozen coins, 12 different coins. Bittrex came out. They had said they checked every single one of their Ethereum tokens. Didn't have this bug whatsoever. 
the reason why, it's not part of the standard Ethereum uh, smart contract. So they're called ERC-20 contracts. This bug is not part of, the, part of that necessarily. You'd have to add in this piece of code. Only about 12 coins did that. Number three, this isn't just a crypto bug. This is a known bug throughout many different coding languages. So there's easy fixes to this. So I think, you know, Bitcoin falling down, Ethereum falling down, all on this, totally, totally overblown. Not to say that the bug isn't, isn't serious, but totally overblown for the rest of the market. So now let's go to the charts and see where we are on this, okay? We are gonna start with Ethereum, all right? Look at, this is the rally that we've had right off the bottom there. Remember, we've been in this big, big downtrend, and that broke last week. So now we are going from the sell the rips to the buy the dips. And where is Ethereum right now? It's at just, just below, just above 600 or so, which was the breakout point. Now looks at, let's look at Bitcoin, which interestingly should not have gone down on this because Bitcoin doesn't have this bug. So it shouldn't have gone down at all. And here we are again. Here's that big downtrend we've had since December. Remember, we talked about last week that $8,500 level. Let's see if I can get a circle on that right there. There we go, that $8,500 level, that was the breakout. Here we are, we've dipped a bit. In fact, this morning we dipped almost to 8,600 right to that breakout, so that resistance is now support. And I think you buy these dips in Bitcoin. All righty, come on over to the dips. Okay. Right. Let's trade this. What a great job on the Everybody get a trophy on the show. Before you get into the BK thing, we've been doing this show a long time. Do you know there are like 12 people that BK, they're all taking videos of BK. He's got groupies now. Because of Bitcoin groupies. Hello, hello. It's a powerful medium. Very powerful. Yeah, it is. What's the best trade in crypto right now? Oh, best trade actually right now, I would say Bitcoin. Because it's, it's broken out above its long-term long downtrend, and it's dropped back to 85, 86. Actually, I think it's 9,100 now when I got on set. But even that, that's a rebound off the resistance, and it, which is now support. So I think Bitcoin's probably the best one out there. Beaks, you made a great call last week on Bitcoin Cash. Nobody wanted it. You wanted it. You bought it. Um, it's had a massive run. How much is it up in the last week? What do you do with it? Uh, so I'm still long it. Yeah. Um, and I think, so uh, 1,600 is next resistance around that level. We got there. We pulled back. I think we blast through that. That's my call right now. But I would, you know, if you you caught it at 700 and it's here at 1400, that's not a bad. Do you take some trade. off ever? Yeah, I mean, to, from course. a discipline standpoint. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. That's that's yeah. just pure trading, right? right. So I mean, right. that, no, don't, just... don't be afraid to take this stuff off. Now, as much as I, I love the hodl, the HODL, as everybody talks about, <laughs> don't be afraid to take profits in these things. They're still trading vehicles. BK, just just a question about the, like sort of the backlog. I mean, we talk about consensus all the time and what they're doing over there. The backlog that they have and the amount of companies that are coming to them with, with projects, if you will, is massive, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what will that do ultimately? I mean, you should see Ethereum just ratchet up much higher as these projects really start to come out. Right, so to the extent that the value of any of these protocols are based on what's built on, on, on top of them, Ethereum has a massive, massive lead. What Joe Lubin's done at Consensus is amazing. He's got thousands of people around the world, some of the smartest minds building apps on top of this. He does have competition now, so I, I think they can all exist together. But, you know, I, I don't think Ethereum's dead by any means. BK Broiler, good to have you. Nice, good the, to be the here. Broiler. <laughs> what? He's the broiler. I call him the BK Broiler. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
FCC. FCC is good. She's on it. It's an old, giddy up. Old, giddy up. Giddy up. Around too long. Coming up, it's an earnings extravaganza here on Fast Money. Facebook, Qualcomm, Advanced Micro, Chipotle, they're all soaring in after hours. We're going to bring you all the latest headlines as they break. Much more Fast Money on this very busy night. God, you remember that song? Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for a very special earnings with Chip Style. Qualcomm and AMD are higher in the after hours following their earnings report. And we got a dynamic duo, John Fort and Josh Lipton, covering the names. John's been monitoring the Qualcomm call back at headquarters. Josh is keeping an eye on AMD from San Francisco. So let's kick off this chip whip with John Fort. John. I'll take a chip shot first, uh, Michelle. A lot of talk on this call about China from two angles that I brought to the viewers uh, before the show started, before the call started, talking to CEO Steve Malenkov, analysts asking about China when it comes to the licensing business, the weaker guide than some were expecting for Q3. That's the current quarter really has to do with what happened in Q1 with smartphone demand in China. So getting more detail on that. Also, NXP. As I said, Qualcomm executives saying they still expect this deal to go through, that China will approve it, even though they put this delay on it. Analysts asking why, and they got the same answer I got. Eight out of nine jurisdictions have already approved it. Qualcomm executives don't believe China is going to want to be the one hold up and be seen as uh, being a blockage in global trade. But they said if it doesn't go through, they have other plans uh, in what to do with capital. The stock kind of came off the lows after hours after they explained that Q1 was the cause of the weak guidance and they don't see those issues continuing, Michelle. Got it, John. Thank you very much. Now let's get to Josh Lipton. He's on AMD. Josh. Michelle, let's dig into the numbers here just a bit besides the bottom and the top. So computing and graphics segment revenue, Michelle, that was $1.12 billion. That was up 95% year over year. It was up 23% sequentially. That's going to include desktop and notebook processors. It's also going to include graphics chips for PCs. So this is where cryptocurrency demand would show up. Also, the enterprise embedded in semi-custom division, that was about $532 million. That was down 12% year over year, though up sequentially. That division is going to include game console chips as well as chips for the data center. As for the guide, Michelle, that second quarter revenue guide of about $1.73 billion, that is stronger than what analysts had expected. And they're also calling here for gross margins of about 37%. Analysts covering the name will be quick to point out that cryptocurrency noise has been a big driver for AMD over the last few quarters. So we're going to listen for what CEO Dr. Lisa Su has to say about that on the call, which is just now kicking off. And tomorrow, by the way, Dr. Sue will also be on CNBC at 9 a.m. Eastern, diving deeper into these results. So be sure to check into that one. Michelle, back to you. You bet we will. Thank you very uh, much, MCC, Josh. before we get dive into these earnings, Tell as me. We're, it's our wants to do. Yes. Are you a Magnum PI fan as a young lady? That's Tom Selleck, right? No, that's <laughs> Tom Selleck. Look at him. It's ridiculous. Uh. Tom Selleck on Magnum never had a beard. But he had a If he had a beard, if I were a rich man. He looks more like Saul Berenson, I think. He looks like the most interesting man in the world. He does. You're right. That's a good got comparison. a nice set of teeth. What Josh, a friend. you are what a, friend. a good sport. <laughs> now, can we talk about Qualcomm and AMD, Guy? <laughs> AMD. So a couple Earnings of things. March 26, AMD. Susquehanna cut their price target to 7.5 from 13. Talking about all the things that Josh just talked about, all the noise in cryptocurrencies. 
that sort of took the wind out of the sails of the stock. I thought the stock was a buy at twelve and a half dollars. Clearly, I was wrong. But I think Pete saw some option buying the other day. And I got to tell you something. You look at this name on valuation. You look at this quarter. Look at the operating margins. You say to yourself, you know what? Maybe crypto's overdone, and maybe it should be a twelve and a half, thirteen dollars stock. And I think it will be. And I think the interesting part, and you're right, twenty nine thousand of the January thirteen calls were bought just last week. Huge. And it was part of a trade where. Somebody was taking losses. They can write their losses off in the stock. They were able to roll into these calls in case the stock can make a move by January. But I think crypto is a big piece of this. Data is a big piece of this. I think the biggest piece, the CEO is going to be on tomorrow. Lisa Sue yeah. is outstanding, and a lot of people still don't know, relatively new. They don't know who she is and what she's capable of doing, I think, for the company. I think that's a huge piece of this. What about yeah. all the uncertainty about any kind of takeover premium because of the situation with Qualcomm, with the government, U.S. government basically saying this is a national champion and being very concerned about China, which was the biggest buyer out there. We're seeing the potential ramifications of the NXP deal that Josh uh, uh, highlighted. But... If the biggest buyer isn't allowed to buy in the United States in the chip sector, don't you have to take some bid out of all of these stocks? Well, listen, you know, there's been $300 billion of M&A in the semiconductor right. space over the last three years, and I don't know if there's too many other combinations to happen at this point. Um, you know, I'll just say about Qualcomm at $50. I mean, this is a stock that, um, you know, last year when it was trading down here, they have $40 billion in cash. They have a $73 billion market cap. Um, you know, net of debt, they have about $20 billion. They have a lot of things that they can do here. It's a very cheap stock, and once they get some of these situations on the licensing front sorted out, I think this is going to be a combination candidate one way or another for somebody they're going to find somebody that they should combine with because investors clearly do not support their vision on going at it alone. Yeah, I mean, I like AMD. I mean, I think AMD is, you know, a very, from a valuation perspective, it's when I jump into here. Listen, you listen to Brian Kelly talk about the crypto market and sort of the projects that are in backlog, just that consensus alone. I mean, I know there's a tremendous amount of, of, of you know, competition, you know, for Ethereum, but that just adds fuel to the fire, in my opinion. So I look at it and say, there's a backlog there. They're coming to market. It is coming on fierce. I'd be a buyer at AMD. All right. Intel is the next big name, big chip name up to bat. The company reporting earnings after the bell tomorrow. Options market is betting on a rally for the stock. Dan, break it down for us at yeah, the plasma. Well, it's betting on a big move one way or another. Okay, you're going to walk and talk too? 5% in wow. either direction <laughs> here. Um, and on average, though, this stock has moved about 5.5% over the last four quarters. Intel's report can't come quick enough for the semiconductor space. The SMH, the ETF, the tracks, the sector is down 15% from its recent highs. It's sitting on some pretty important support. I think, obviously, the bounce that we're getting out of Qualcomm and AMD should help the sentiment in the space. And don't forget, Texas Instruments, which has actually been a really poor performer for the better part of this year, reported a good number last night, was up in the morning, closed up in the morning, did not do a reversal like we saw in a lot of earnings names. Um, but let's go back to Intel. So the implied movement. Pretty big one way or another. This is a stock that's massively outperforming its internet, or excuse me, its semiconductor peers. It's up 11% on the year. Um, the stock sold off yesterday with the market, but it had a really nice upgrade um, to estimates by Citigroup saying the stock could be $70 this year. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the activity they saw today. 5,000 of the October 55 calls traded. They looked like they were bought. If they were bought, they'd break even um, up at 57, 58 on October expiration. That's up about 12% from current levels here. I just want to go to the charts uh, real quickly here. When you look at this thing, we talked about this outperformance here. It really has a nice base here in the high 40s. It topped out about 54, like I said. Um, you got some traders targeting a breakout of that. And I just want to go 
uh, one more point to the long-term chart, the 20-year chart at Intel. This is a company that obviously has made a ton of acquisitions over the last few years, Altera, Mobileye, a couple in the AI space here. They are positioning themselves for the next 10 years. We're looking back the last 20 years. This is one of very few stocks. Obviously, it's gone up about some enthusiasm about their move into emerging tech, but this is one of the few stocks, mega cap stocks in the technology space that has not recaptured those all-time highs. So to me, when you have a big bulge bracket bank like Citibank coming out and saying we could see 70, maybe 80 in this stock, and it's trading at 13 times, this is one I think traders are going to pile into. Wow, that would be one heck of a return. All right, thanks, Dan. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Still ahead here on Fast Money, we are all over the after-hours action tonight. Facebook, PayPal, and Chipotle all soaring. Look at your screen. Amazing. We're going to bring you the very latest from the company's conference calls in just a few minutes. We are live at the NASDAQ market side in New York Times Square. Welcome back to Fast Money. We got an earnings alert on Chipotle. That stock is soaring after hours. Let's go to Bertha Coons. She's got the details. Hi, Bertha. Hi, Michelle. Yeah, we had a pretty good uh, beat on uh, the bottom line. A lot of that is from uh, cost management, uh, but also what we are seeing here is a bit of a honeymoon happening for new CEO Brian Nickel, who was appointed on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Among the things that he outlined on the call are the things they are doing to turn things around at Chipotle. They're going to focus a lot more on mobile and digital. That was one of the highlights during the quarter, they said. They really pushed that, and they really saw an 8% increase in that, and they're going to really focus on that to give people more access so they don't have to complain about those long lines waiting at the stores. Another thing they're going to look at is more menu innovation. They're going to do a lot of pilots in a lot of different stores and try to see what they can bring forward and on a national level, including perhaps extending hours to make it a longer day at Chipotle to give people more access. And also, they said, also looking at different day parts, maybe different pricing for different day parts. One of the things, obviously, that they did at Taco Bell, where Nickel was really instrumental in the turnaround there. And the big thing they're going to do is much more targeted marketing, he says, because he says this brand has been all but invisible, telling uh, analysts on the call that he thinks there's a real opportunity to make this more visible, this brand, and to really remind people about why it is that they love Chipotle, about the fact that the company does has, has very big fans already, and one of the big surprises for him, he says, has been that people really love this brand. And he wants to remind them about that and remind them about uh, Chipotle's commitment to sustainability and to really good foods and organic foods. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where the stock itself has not been visible down uh, three state years, more than 20 percent, Michelle. But take a look. Since he's been appointed and with this afternoon surge, up now about 49 percent. Back to you. Been a tremendous trade if you got in at that point. All right, thank you, Bertha. Let's trade it. Anybody like Chipotle here in the wake of this? You know who loved it last week? Who? Jim Kramer. You know that no, guy? Bad smart buddy. that guy. That he guy is called, so smart. I'm telling you, I was watching the show at 9 o'clock, you know, the one with Faber and yeah, Carl. Yeah, sure. And he said, <laughs> he went to a screen and he started marking something up and he said that thing bottomed. He said, the lines are back. Yeah, but the problem is they didn't talk about what their issue is. Their issue is they have a, they have a food quality problem. 
I mean, they get to talk about investing in food quality. I mean, they have been they, talking they about have it for years. They talk about I mean, our marketing. Marketing, this, you know, he comes from, he's a marketing background, the new yep. CEO. So the spend is going to go up. There's no question about it. You look at the stock right now, I mean, it's trading at an astronomical multiple. I get it. But the idea of spend is going to have to increase and the food quality is going to have to get better. They need to address that issue. 40 and times next that, year's yeah. earning. It's, but it's about the digital, it's about the mobile. Sorry, guy. But, no, I, go. but, but I mean, I think the fact that, that this guy came from Taco Bell and whether people like it or don't like it, never been to a Taco Bell or not, they made huge changes in that franchise right. and how they were able to react. And they did it in such an unbelievable way. If he can bring some of that, including the extended hours, I've oftentimes wondered why their hours are what they are, quite frankly. Because they could get much more out of the customer if they were open earlier, maybe later. What time do you want to go to Chipotle? Breakfast. How about, bre I mean, you know, why not breakfast burrito? Something I mean, for the breakfast burrito Something family, for the breakfast Maybe, I don't know. Which everybody offers Just that type of thing. put anything in a tortilla and it's going to be great, right? <laughs> but this guy does have tortilla. that incredible innovative background, and I think he brings that to the table, and yeah. that gets you some excitement, I think, that actually could push. I love, the a, I love a good breakfast burrito. Well, I, 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 just, I, real quickly, just real quickly on, that, um, on yeah. that 40 times earnings. I mean, here's a company that was earning $15 a share back before they had all these food quality issues. And it's a company that's now growing earnings meaningful in a way. And I think that a lot of that spend has actually happened over the last year. So here they do, they're gonna have high single digit revenue growth. They get that brand back together. You get back towards peak earnings and you have a stock probably trading somewhere around McDonald's, you know, multiple, that sort of thing. So to me, that's the way I would think about it. I think you have to give this turnaround a little more time. Restaurant margins up 300 basis points. That counters your argument about the spend. They're doing something right there at CMG. Right. Say it, Pete. Giddy up. Moving on, PayPal moving Blah. higher after an earnings beat. Let's get to Deidre Bosa. She's got more. Hey, Deidre. Hey, Michelle. Investors focusing on the good results this past quarter, though guidance was a bit of a mixed bag. PayPal upping its full-year revenue guidance, but lowering the range of its fiscal 2018 EPS guidance. On the call, CFO John Rainey said part of it had to do with the restructuring charge. Have a listen. We now expect gap EPS to be within the range of $1.73 to $1.76. This updated outlook reflects a $90 million increase in our estimate for non-GAAP adjustments. Approximately two-thirds of this increase is attributable to additional stock-based compensation based on our financial outperformance. The remaining third is from a restructuring charge that we recognized in the quarter related to reductions of our global workforce and the decision to wind down TO Networks operations, which was not in our original guidance. Investors, though, guys, deciding that there's more good news in the report than bad. Shares popping by more than 5% um, since the call started. Some of those bright spots i got to mention is payment volumes up by nearly a third. PayPal adding 8.1 million active users. The Venmo total payment volume still going strong at $20 billion processed in the quarter. That's up 80% year over year. I want to flag one other thing, though, because something we look for with PayPal is the take rate. That is the average revenue that PayPal takes from each transaction that it facilitates. This quarter, the downward trend continued, PayPal attributing it to growth in P2P businesses led by Venmo. So still looking at ways to monetize Venmo, even though it has started. Guys, back over to you. Got it, Deidre. Thanks so much. All right, let's trade it. Anybody buying, selling? What? Valuation is going to matter at some point. It's probably trading, I don't know, 30 times forward earnings, give or take. It's had a series 31. of low... Yep. Yeah. Pretty good, right? Yeah, it's had a series good. of lower highs pretty much <laughs> since the fall. In my opinion, G Swizzle's opinion, Needs to close above 80 to buy this. I'd rather buy it on a breakout than try to sort of 50-50 it right here. Would you rather PayPal or Visa? 
Oh, Visa. Visa. No question. Um, I'd rather PayPal. I just want to go back and make one point. The stock was trading at an all-time high when they reported their Q4 results. And one of the things that it really sold off the stock after that, and the stock has been in that range that you've been talking about, Guy, since then is that eBay announced that they were going to uh, take PayPal off as their preferred payment option there. That thing is rolling off. It's going to take years and years and years. So um, to me, I think those Venmo numbers up 80% year over year on $20 billion in the quarter, I think that's really important. Um, so to me, I don't think this story um, really should have come off hinge because of that eBay thing. And I think the results look good. And I think this one's just fine. This Venmo thing is fine. My daughter, I got a thing today. Send Lily Adami $15 vis-a-vis -vis Venmo for being a fantastic daughter. You believe this? That's this Venmo. I do believe it, yes. I mean, how does that even happen? And you happen? sent it, right? Of course not. I mean, I, I, you got to download the application. In the old know. days, they just said, yeah. can I have an increase in the allowance? Now they text you. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh? And they give you the app to do that. All right, still ahead. <laughs> Facebook soaring in after hours. It's at Session Highs. Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg are addressing the company's privacy issues on the earnings call just moments ago. We will bring you those comments and get instant analysis from tech guru Gene Munster, who's standing by on the red phone right there. Look at that. All that and more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Facebook is surging after hours. The CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, is speaking on the conference call. Julia Borson is listening in. She's in Los Angeles. She has the details. Hey, Julia. Well, Michelle, Sheryl Sandberg saying on the call just moments ago that a month ago, some advertisers paused spending on Facebook, but that they've come back. CEO Mark Zuckerberg focusing his comments on the call about the company's accountability and its focus on improving the service and protecting users. Zuckerberg dismissed the idea that Facebook's focus on advertising is fundamentally problematic. I know that a lot of people have had questions about the business model and um, this is something that, that I just think we at, at Facebook are very proud of, um, and we think that it is the right way to build a service that connects everyone around the world. As Zuckerberg stressed the company's investment in safety and privacy, Facebook CFO David Weiner warned that due to the rollout of new controls for European privacy regulations, controls which they'll make available worldwide, they expect European monthly and daily active users to be flat to down sequentially in the second quarter, saying that there is some potential for ad impact. The company also narrowing its expense growth range to 50 to 60 percent from the prior range of 45 to 60 percent and saying that capital expenditures will be around 15 billion dollars that's at the top end of the prior range. Sheryl Sandberg focusing many of her comments on reassuring investors about the health of Facebook's advertising model. At Facebook, we have always built privacy protections into our ad system. We use the information you provide and that we receive from websites to target ads for advertisers, but we don't tell them who you are. We don't sell your information to advertisers or anyone else. Sandberg, as well as Zuckerberg, talked about the potential to grow revenue from WhatsApp as well as Facebook Messenger. They also commented on the health of ads on Instagram, though they don't break out those Instagram numbers. Michelle, back over to you. Got it, Julia. Thank you. It wouldn't be a Facebook earnings without fast money friend Gene Munster of mm. Loop Ventures on the red phone. Look at him. Hey, Gene, what was the most interesting thing from the call? What do you think about the $15 billion spend number? Michelle, before we get into that, I just want to point something that really jumped out at me on the earnings. And I haven't had a chance to listen to what everyone's been talking about here. But that DAU number, the 13% year-over-year growth, in line with the street expectations, is incredible. Because they basically had a nuclear bomb dropped on their brand. And they still were able to power through and deliver those users in the face of a delete 
Facebook campaign. I think it really speaks to how sticky this platform is. To answer your question, what stuck out me most in the call, I think your just previous hit covered uh, two of the three in the spending, but there was one piece about some of the changes that they're making on the controls. So these are new tools that they're allowing users, and they're doing this in Europe, but they interestingly said that they expect the number of daily active users to be flat to down in the June quarter as people in Europe start to use these tools. Now, they're going to roll those tools out across the globe over the next several months. And so maybe you do see some, uh, some uh, bumpiness in that DAU number over the next couple quarters. All right. Give us a grade for the quarter. And despite all those things you're just saying right now, Facebook's still up 7%. Put it all together, it was an A-. minus. A-? minus. What would have been an A+. Plus? A-plus would have been uh, if they would have exceeded some of those metrics. I mean, the fact that they made them is impressive, like those DAU numbers. It would have been an A-plus if they would have grown DAUs at, let's say, 18 to 20 percent, if they would have surprised us on that front. But overall, just really impressive. Got it. Thank you, Gene. All right. Thank let's you. Let's trade for Facebook. What do you guys think? I, I'm a buyer. I look at the free downloads. Free downloads, you look at it on Apple, on any of these you know, you know, platforms, they're top 10. Facebook, Core, Messenger, you've got WhatsApp, you've got Snapchat. All that is top 10 and consistently top 10. So I look at it as a gauge. You stay involved in the story here. Any other I mean, Google the other day turned around on the spend number. Now, they had told us, Facebook had talked a lot more about what the spend might be, right, and listen, it's not turning What, what do on atomic this bombs do? They have fallout, okay? You don't just, I mean, listen, if you're buying this stock at 171, you're trading it kind of wrong, especially if you have a near-term time horizon. I mean, I just think that if you're chasing it here, I mean, this thing's got legs, this story. So the German, or excuse me, the European regulations go into effect pretty soon. We're going to have U.S. regulations. Did you like yeah. the messenger stuff and the other stuff that they mentioned in terms of other areas, sure. verticals that are making You know, money? we've yeah. been talking about no, that for a long just, time. I think that billion uh, WhatsApp users is going to get monetized at some point. Yeah. But to me, I think it's really important. Well, all right, there's the music. Right, there's the, music. Baby. the final trade. Don't move. Time for the final trade. Pete. Bring it to Intel. It's going up. Giddy up. AT&T, letter T, I'm a buyer. Uh, Twitter on this pullback. Thanks for being here, MCC. You're a pro. HGA, day two. All right, cool. Mad Money with Jim Cramer <laughs> begins right now, so don't move. Great having you. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.